it's really big in the anti-aging and longevity space because we know that it can slow down the aging process, can actually repair your DNA. I think that's the best way to tell. If you're not testing, you don't really know. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome to episode 150 of the Biohacker Babes. This is our final episode of, oh my goodness, season six, I think. Wow. Can you believe it? We're already at 150. Okay. No, actually, this is why I love you. You're so organized. I didn't even know today was 150. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) We'll celebrate. (laughs) Yeah. This will be our our wrap up of the season and we'll take one week off. Yes. And then we will kick off season seven in July. Yeah. Well, season six has felt really, really long. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, in a really good way. It's been uh, so diverse and so like colorful, so many great, I don't know, different topics and guests. And well, I guess we'll let the audience determine that, but I've had a lot of fun and I'm a little sad that season six is ending. Like it's the end of a show, but okay. Oh the show is signed on for another season. <laughs> We're going to just yes. slide right into season seven. <laughs> we have another 50 episodes coming right up. So, yeah. but yeah, yeah, season six was awesome. So many great guests. Um, and today it's just the babes. We don't have a guest for you today. As we wrap up the season, we are going to do one of our fun kind of Q and a episodes, sharing the latest in biohacking, some client wins, all of that fun stuff. So it'll be a little fireside chat today. Yeah. I really love these. It's so funny. I feel like we started out this podcast, just you and I, and that was just, we had that template. We were very much in that zone. We started interviewing guests and there was a point where we were like, well, what about our shows again? We need to just do the two of us. And I felt like over time, I was like, well, I don't even know what to talk about anymore because <laughs> we're talking to so many guests. And it's it's one of those things, like the more you know, the more you learn that you don't know. And so this is such a vulnerable moment, but I've had many moments where I'm like, I don't even know what to share. And I'm so like deep in this work with the podcast, interviewing guests and also working with clients that I really need to step back and see the bigger picture because sometimes I'm so in it that I don't even know really like what I know day to day and what I'm learning, which I'm learning a lot. But so I'm just grateful that we have these episodes so we can kind of step back and look at the big picture and yeah, run through some fun things that we're doing and learning. Yeah. I think people always want to know what kind of biohacks we're doing too. I get asked that all the time. So (laughs) again, we'll let you guys determine if that's correct. Yes. (laughs) Keep sending us your ideas, your questions. We'll go from there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so I know Lauren, you wanted to kick it off with a couple of client wins before we get into the questions we got. Did you want to share anything? Yeah, this is so fun. I mean, this is something that I do with my clients when I get on calls. It's like, what, what's going really well for you? Like what's a win from the last time we spoke? And I only, not only want to celebrate that in a session, but I think it's awesome to celebrate it here for all of you to celebrate as well. And of course these clients are anonymous, but 
it's kind of fun to learn and share. And, you know, I'm starting my group glucose coaching tonight, which I always love the group format because one, we get to celebrate each other's wins, but we learn a lot from other people's experiences. So I'm just going to run through these kind of quickly, but I have had my second client now within a short period of time that has gotten her amalgams taken out of her mouth. So toxic metals safely taken out of her mouth and is now experiencing much more stable glucose levels. So this is a a levels client. We are testing with the continuous glucose monitor, was experiencing a lot of glucose dysregulation, same with the first client. And I'm not saying that this is causal, but it is definitely correlated when you take something that is stressful, toxic out of the body, the body has natural healing abilities. That's what the show is all about. And so again, I can't say that that's the number one thing because the through line with both of these clients is that they were working on, you know, more consistency, reducing sugar, increasing activity levels. It was a very supportive environment with a lot of positive inputs, but it is pretty unmistakable to see that once we got something toxic like that out of the body, that the levels just kind of calm down. We know that these CGMs are really, it's the lens by which we can see stress in the body. So I would say that's a big win. Yeah. And I'll just add for anyone that's not sure what amalgam fillings are, they're the quote unquote silver fillings. So if you look in the mirror and you see anything silver, that's a dental amalgam, but it's actually more mercury by percentage than silver, but they call it a silver filling because it sounds fancier and less toxic. (laughs) If they called it mercury fillings, no one would want to get them. But so that's a good note. And I think there's definitely potential that that was a big, uh, you know, mover for those issues because I know dad, you know, our dad, who's a biological dentist, he has seen that in a lot of patients where like their hives went away overnight, their migraines went away overnight with getting the fillings out. So Mm. possible. It's really cool. I just, it gets me more and more excited about the CGM, which I know can be stressful. You see your glucose rise. We don't even know what's healthy, what's not truly in a healthy population, but again, as a lens to see stress in the body, like what are we not picking up on? It's so revealing in so many ways. So yeah. So cool. Great. Also, additionally, I'm um, working through some microdosing protocols with a few clients and a through line there is that the biggest wins are when someone else notices a change. This has been pretty common where the spouse or a friend or a ch- their child say, Oh, you know what? I notice, I notice you're different. I notice like something's changing, which is so cool. Like we look at ourselves in the mirror every single day, I think most people. And, um, you don't see those microscopic changes because you're with yourself 24 seven. And when you get that reflection of someone outside of you, that outside perspective of change, like how powerful is that? And I think that's a huge win when other people can notice these subtle shifts in your life. Yeah, that's incredible. So I want to yeah, I think if, if your kid is like, oh, mommy is being much nicer now or something yeah. like that, like that's a great sign. Yeah. And I guess, I, I mean, that sub-perceptual dose that you're doing, it is, I'm sure, really hard to pick up on yourself unless you're almost like keeping a journal and scaling your mood and sleep and things. So, mm-hmm. and this great. is not just based on the medicine. It's based on all of the practices around it. So mm. 
if you guys heard last week's episode with Paul Austin, you'll have a better idea of what I'm talking about. But none of these strategies exist in a vacuum because we are a system of systems. Like we need supportive strategies in our environment, our lifestyle practices, nutrition, they all work together. And the other through line with these protocols is that, you know, clients are doing more grounding, they're journaling, they're being aware of their intentions and feelings and all these symptoms. And so what I'm getting at is that it's not just the medicine that's going to produce these changes, but by changing supportive habits, we can actually see a shift in right mood, motivation, the things that other people will, will notice even without the medicine. So I think that's been really cool to watch yeah. the experience. Well, yeah, it's more the integration, not just the medicine, right? Like you could just microdose every day, but if you're not making any healthy changes, you're not really going to see a change. But it's mm-hmm. easier to make those healthy changes with the microdose, right? Mm-hmm. It's helping with the neuroplasticity and such. Yeah. So fast. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. Awesome. All right. Well, so we got a couple questions on Instagram. Let's jump into those from our dear friend. Uh, she asked, what can we do daily to support our microbiome? Um, and she also added to that just that she has four kids. Her husband works a lot. They're very, very busy. So just wondering like what to do on a daily basis. That's pretty easy to implement. Yeah. Fasting always comes to the top of my mind. <laughs> and then I laughed because <laughs> thinking of the, the fasting panel at biohacking Congress and asking Mindy Pels about what Huberman said about destroying the microbiome with fasting and how that was kind of bastardized a little bit. Like that fasting destroys the microbiome. Well, actually it, it wipes it clean and you get a reset, which can be a really good thing. So yeah, I would always put fasting at the top of that list as a reset, like less inputs, just mm-hmm. allowing the body to heal. Yeah. And actually a, a new study just came out a couple of weeks ago about fasting for inflammatory bowel disease. I'm not sure what the exact mechanism was, but amazing results with people doing, they did like a three-day water fast. They also did the five-day prolon fasting mimicking diet, and both had really, really amazing results for inflammatory bowel disease. So Mm. yeah, fasting should definitely be up there. Mm -hmm. Also um, avoiding your personal kryptonite. So we can't just recommend one diet for your microbiome, right? It's going to be different for everyone. You know, one person might be able to eat kimchi and sauerkraut all day long, which we would typically think is great for the microbiome, great for the microbiome, but for someone else that could be kryptonite, especially if you have, you know, SIBO or other things going on. Mm -hmm. So I would say personalize your diet, you know, do whatever gut testing or food sensitivity panels, whatever you need to do, maybe an elimination diet to figure out what's personal to you. Cause that's obviously going to be the most supportive of the microbiome. Yeah. And then along with that, I think just testing your gut, getting information on what's going on in your gut. We've talked about this on the show before. Number one question that we get with our nutrition clients is, tell me what to eat. What am I supposed to eat? <laughs> yep. Well, I don't know. Let's look at your gut. Let's look at your physiology. Let's look at what's going on. And we don't always have symptoms that are going to guide us in the right direction. So testing can be really helpful. You know, we've talked about Viome on the show. I'm sure you guys are all aware of this. Maybe not the most accurate, but can really kind of give us some clues as to which direction to look. So. Yeah. I definitely think biome is worth doing if you're going to do just one test on your own to find out what's going on. Yeah. Um, and then also kind of tied in with biome is more diversity in your diet and biome really pushes this. 
because like Lauren and I both experienced on our last biome test for our more problematic foods that we needed to avoid were the foods we were eating a lot. Like for me, cucumbers and bell peppers were avoid. And I really like those. I eat them a lot. So just more diversity, obviously vegetable diversity is great, but everything like if you can follow somewhat of like the four day rotation diet, I know that's hard, especially with, with kids with, oh my gosh, with four kids. But ideally if you eat something on Monday, you wouldn't really want to eat that food again until potentially Friday. Again, I know that's difficult. Just do your best to try and mix things up. You know, I see this all the time with clients. They're like, you know, I've been eating eggs and toast for breakfast seven days a week for 10 years, you know? So just the more you can mix up your (laughs) diet. Yeah. Your, your gut wants that diversity. Um, and we also know that a diverse gut microbiome is linked to better health in all aspects. You can't argue that. Yeah. I mean, there's trillions of microbial cells in your gut and they want to party. (laughs) They don't want to be, they don't want to be crowded out. They, they want to flourish. So I'm feeding them as best as possible. And I think with the four day rotation, I think the hack for that is you don't have to look at a 24 hour, like morning to night rotation. Mm. I would use leftovers in there, especially if that's a consideration with family, you don't want to waste food. You don't want to start fresh the next day. Like whatever you had for dinner the night before you could have it for breakfast or even lunch the next day. And from, and the moment that that meal runs out, you finish, then you go into the next rotation. So it's not like I had beef for dinner tonight. No, I cannot have it until Saturday. I would still use the leftovers, but then you want to give your, your system a rest from that food for, you know, as close to 72 hours as possible. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a good rule for leftovers anyways. It's kind of that 24 hour clock. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like the actual calendar day, but 24 Mm -hmm. hours, try and use it up and then move on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the final thing I would throw in there is a, like a spore-based probiotic. If you can just take one thing to support your gut and I'm saying spore-based just cause that tends to work better for most people, even with SIBO, we see it's really good rather than just taking like a typical probiotic off the shelf. That's just a random three or 10 different strains. You're just, <laughs> just a rando. <laughs> just a rando is I'm again, if, unless you're testing your gut, you're just like, oh, I guess I'll take this lactobacillus and bifidobacteria, but you don't really know versus the spore-based. It's actually going through the gut and altering the microbiome and then it's exiting the body. So I would say if you're going to do one product, I would throw that in. Yeah. I feel like there's so much we don't know about probiotics, but I feel definitely more confident taking a spore-based. Yeah. Awesome. All right. That's the gut microbiome. (laughs) In a nutshell. In a nutshell. (laughs) The fastest (laughs) conversation ever. All right. Any other questions? Yeah. We got one about increasing energy. Let me just read the question. (laughs) What is the best way to increase energy during pregnancy due to low ferritin without taking iron? Okay. Amazing question. I want to just say first that this is super personalized. Um, Most women go into pregnancy with low iron stores and hopefully you listen to the episode with Lily Nichols real food for pregnancy. She has some amazing knowledge bombs in that interview, but I would say it's, it's super personal and it really just depends on your personal iron stores. Like what are you going into pregnancy with? Have you tested again? Testing is super revealing. So we know, should you be supplementing or not? 
we know iron is really important. It's it's a mineral that's used for oxygen transportation, DNA synthesis, energy production. But the amount that we need, especially in pregnancy, can really vary from, from one female to the next. So some may need to take iron while others should avoid it altogether. Again, it just depends on what your personal levels are. But in general, iron stores are, are depleted during pregnancy and your needs increase. So it's definitely something we need to look out for. And with iron anemia, it can put you at risk for pregnancy complications and can affect your baby's brain development. So definitely something that we need to send our attention to. But I guess there's some, some considerations, like if the ferritin is actually, is it ferritin that's actually low? Um, because we know that's a little more accurate than just looking at total serum. I'm assuming from this question, because she said ferritin, that that is the case, but with low iron, like there's some other considerations. We need stomach acid. We need vitamin C to be able to absorb iron. So sometimes we're like missing an upstream process. So I would just look at the big picture and see if you're missing something. Um, but we can get iron from foods, right? There's a lot of real foods that are packed with iron. And a lot of those foods are liver. And I know that's not really super palatable, but organ meats can be really helpful. But I would say the biggest sources are like chicken liver, beef liver, beef fart. Ooh, yum. Just get a little butter and salt. Or you can take some organ supplements. Oysters are high on that list. Venison, bison, sardines, clams ground beef, lamb, anything else you can think of, Renee? No, that's a great list. Yeah. So many great food sources. And what else? What else are we missing? I would say if you can do a full micronutrient panel, if you have access to that, just Definitely. to see what's going on. Cause like you said, um, what's going on upstream. So sometimes the low ferritin, it could be, maybe you're taking too much zinc. Maybe you're not getting enough copper calcium levels. I think just getting like a full picture to see how everything is coming into balance. Yeah. Since everything is a relationship. Yeah. Calcium and iron compete for absorption of the gut. So yeah, definitely testing calcium levels. And that, and that's the reason why a lot of prenatals don't have iron in it. Like if you personally need iron, you would want to take an iron free prenatal and then just supplement with the iron separately. Like Seeking Health is such a great resource. Dr. Ben Lynch has some great information on that. I guess also iron anemia could be related to low levels of folate or B12. So another reason to do a micronutrient test. Bottom line is you really should test, not guess, and work with a doctor or a functional nutritionist to determine your biochemistry and, and whether or not you need it. Certainly if there's low energy, yes, that usually is correlated with with lower iron. That's a tri tricky topic, but great recommendations. So I guess I would definitely just recommend leaning into those real foods, especially ones that Lily Nichols talks about and check her out if you miss that episode or just check out her website. She's a wealth of information, but we know we have supplements because our diets don't provide adequate nutrients because of our soil depletion. And there's just so much chaos in our food system. So it can be really helpful to take a supplement, but definitely start with food first. Add in those iron-rich foods, test if needed, supplement would be the last step. All right. Thank you so much for the questions. So next step of the way, what we're reading. This is fun. I always get excited to hear what you're reading. 
you want to go first, Renee? Me too. Actually, I saw your picture on Instagram yesterday, you reading a book. And I was about to ask you, and I was like, no, I'm going to wait for the big reveal tomorrow. (laughs) I don't know why, the way I just heard you say that, it's probably just my interpretation. You were like, oh, she's reading a book. Like I never read books. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. I definitely did not mean it that way. You were curious about what I was reading. What you were reading. Yes, I'm always All right. All right, I'll tell you. Well, I have two right now, but I'll go ahead and I'll share one. Um, this book is called Personal Socrates by Mark Champagne. He was actually kind enough to send both of us. I think you got one in the mail. Um, it's a really, it's a different book for me. I always get so sucked into like nutrition and biohacking books that it's good for me to take a step back and read something different. So this book is really more about improving your mental fitness. And it's cool because you really should only read one chapter a day. And each chapter is only three or four pages. So it's totally doable. It's not like an overwhelming book. You got to sit down and crush. But each chapter is based off of someone that has been really successful in whatever industry they've been in. They've been a CEO of something or actually Robin Williams was one of them. And just what we can learn from that expert. And Every chapter has a question that prompts you to think about something, which is even better to do just once a day, right? You have this one question that you can really ponder for the whole day. So yeah, so that's that's a fun, different book for me. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited to read that. So I didn't know that he sent us the books. I think I ha- I received it in the mail. I opened it and I was like, ooh, I have a secret admirer or someone just thinks I need to read this book. So they just delivered it to me. Cause you didn't tell me until maybe like a week or two later. I'm like, Oh, okay. The universe sent me this book. There's a reason. I don't know where it came from. If you ever get a mysterious package, just ask me. Cause it's probably something that I had sent to you. And I just forgot to tell you probably, but there was this, this time my friend, Travis, someone sent him this book, many lives, many masters. You know, that book about the, um, oh, like, yeah. the psychologist regression therapy, where this woman was able to recall past lives. Right. That book appeared on his doorstep. And to this day, he has no idea where it came from, which is so ironic given the content of that book. So I was determined that, I don't know, like him in a past life sent it to him. (laughs) Whenever books show up on my door, show up on my doorstep mysteriously, I think about that. Like where, (laughs) where in time and space was this sent from? That's cool. I hope he never finds out. Makes it even better. Oh gosh, but the mystery can kind of eat at you. Anyways, I'm so glad I have an answer to that. And I'm really excited to read this book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. Cool. What else are you so, reading? All right. Certainly I'll you're my, not reading one book. Oh yeah. Well, that one's nice because I just read one chapter every morning. And then the other book that I just started, it's called The Addiction Free Lifestyle by Ronnie Landis. I actually found out about this book because Ronnie was on Ben Greenfield's podcast which was a really, really interesting episode. So a lot of people think of addiction and they think of drugs, alcohol, like a lot of these things where, you know, maybe someone would go to rehab because they have an addiction problem. But really he says that all of us have addiction issues. It just Mm. shows up in different ways. So maybe it's Mm. checking your phone a hundred times a day or scrolling on Instagram or being addicted to work, working too many hours. So it's just like so many different ways it can show up. And a lot of this has to do with dopamine. And so he has like a whole program. I haven't gotten to this part of the book. It's at the end. 
like a dopamine fast where you're not like going and living in a dark cave for seven nights, like some of our friends have done, but how to do a dopamine fast at home to reset your brain and overcome that. So interesting idea. Um, and I've always thought, you know, I, I feel like I have an addictive personality. Like I get into like maybe the caffeine or maybe the nicotine gum. Like I always kind of tap into something. So I'm just curious what I can learn from this book. Yeah. I want to read that. I'm assuming that addiction exists on a spectrum, like everything else. And that's the misconception. It's like, oh, I'm addicted to this or I'm not, but there's gotta be nuance to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you can be addicted to good things. Well, quote unquote, good things, exercise. Oh yeah. I'm addicted to sleep. I don't know if that's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to stick with that. I love it. It's a good one. Yeah. So what what are you reading, Lauren? (sighs) Yours sound more interesting. Actually, no, I'm, I'm reading two really interesting books, (laughs) health books. You know, I have, I I put to the side my, my personal growth books for the moment because I'm graduating from third wave and I'm coming back to my metabolic health books that have been sitting on my desk. One I'm rereading, Why We Get Sick by Ben Bickman who does a lot of work with levels and has um, motivated a lot of their research. I'm rereading this because I'm starting my glucose coaching and it was like a nice review, but oh my gosh, this book is about insulin resistance and really how everything comes back to insulin resistance and a lot of chronic disease, he says, stems from it, or at the very least has a hand in worsening the disease state. And a lot of people, when you say insulin, you think about you know, insulin injections, this drug, but it's a very important hormone that does so many things in the body. And there's so much focus on blood sugar, which is actually an incorrect term. It's blood glucose, but really we need to be focusing on insulin, the hormone and all the ways that we're disrupting it. And just fascinating to revisit the lifestyle factors, like lifestyle is such a big one. I think in the functional medicine space, we're so quick to jump to supplements or biohacks, but what about the lifestyle factors? Even goes into not secondhand smoke, but thirdhand smoke, how that can hang around in carpets, furniture, clothing, and that can cause insulin resistance or lead to it. It's crazy. Air pollution, LPS, lipopolysaccharides in the gut, too little salt, now we've had this focus on too much sodium in the diet, but now, you know, it can swing the other way. Too little salt can cause this issue. Poor sleep, which is not nothing new to our audience. We know like one week of less sleep can make the body 30% more insulin resistant. It's crazy. Artificial light. It just goes on and on and on. And it's for, the book is for the average person. Anyone can read this. I think it's just such a fascinating, wide perspective on the things that we can do in our everyday lives to change this epidemic because half of adults are potentially resistant. All right. You have to let me borrow that book when you're done reading it a second time. Yeah. I'll send it to you. Okay. The other one is drop acid, which no, it's not a plant medicine book, David Perlmutter, which we've like dropped some hints about on the show, but this is the first time I'm really like cover to cover reading this book, David Perlmutter. Uh, He's discussing the relationship between uric acid and metabolic syndrome. So a lot of correlation with the insulin resistance. This 
really got me. He talks about, he goes way back in time in our evolution. And he talks about how we became programmed to be insulin resistant as a survival mechanism. So we know the brain needs glucose for energy to survive, but under certain circumstances, when, you know, if we don't have food or we don't have glucose, we need ways to get around that and not die. So we evolved under certain circumstances to preserve glucose for the brain. And we did that by tripping this fat switch. So we used to have this enzyme called uricase. This is such a great review to me to try to, <laughs> to uh, regurgitate this information. We used to have this enzyme called uricase and uricase helps us break down uric acid so it can be converted into other substances and then excreted by the kidneys out of the body. Our ancestral apes, which we evolved from, they used to make uricase and they found a way to turn off that enzyme so that we could store fat and become insulin resistant so that when there was not enough food in the winter time, they wouldn't die. Wow. So they developed a fat switch, which has stayed with our evolution, our biology. And now it's just like fat switches constantly turned on, but basically like the more uric acid by not breaking down the uric acid with your case, the more uric acid meant we could have more efficient energy storage which meant less risk of starvation and better chances of survival. Now that doesn't really make sense in this day and age because we have an endless food supply. We don't need this survival mechanism, but it stayed with us. So we don't have this uricase enzyme anymore, which is so fascinating. But so as a species, we started to hoard fat, which raises blood sugar. It raises blood pressure. It leads to elevated triglycerides, abnormal cholesterol levels. So he has basically whittled it down to uric acid as a, a pretty big culprit. And then the cause of elevated uric acid, number one culprit is fructose. Mm. So I know that's been a big debate. How bad is fructose? Well, he says it's pretty terrible. So it's this fruit to fat physiology, like turning on the fat switch so we could not die. <laughs> that's <laughs> has good. made us insulin resistant and has elevated our uric acid. And that is the cause for a lot of different disease states in this, you know, global umbrella of metabolic syndrome. Wow. I'm just picking my jaw up real quick. No, I know. I was like, <laughs> are you okay? Your eyeballs are like, I'm like out of your head. Blown away. I, I thought I had that book ordered and I never got it. So clearly I need I'll to send it to you. Okay. All right. You send me a couple books. We'll exchange. It's really That's, fascinating because I had a yeah. few clients come to me. They're like, my uric acid, my uric acid. And um, sure, we should definitely look at it. But I'm certainly convinced after reading this book. At first, I was maybe not so convinced because when I think of uric acid, I think of purines. Yeah. Like some people do really well on purines, like organ meats. Well, in this book, he discusses fructose is going to be at the top of that list. Purines, sure, we should probably consume in moderation. Some people, they're more a risk at overdoing them, but, um, fructose alcohol is a big one. And then again, like all the lifestyle stuff that Ben Bickman talks about. Mm. Yeah. I remember on the Excella gut test, there was a marker that looked at how, how your gut microbiome would tolerate purines in relationship to uric acid. Mm -hmm. I forget what the marker was, but, but I definitely saw a variety there. Some people could do really well with it with purines and others, not so much. Yeah. And the metabolic typing diet reveals that. Mm, okay. Some people do much better with that metabolism. So again, wow. it's personal. <laughs> sure is. 
really personal. Anyways, I'll send those two books to you and you can send them to me. And I will Great. not think that there's a mysterious <laughs> book person in my life. All right. We'll start our own book club. <laughs> What's up, biohackers? Did you know that there's actually one specific phase of sleep that almost everyone fails to get enough of? And this one phase of sleep is responsible for most of your body's daily rejuvenation, repair, helps control hunger hormones, weight loss hormones, also boosts our energy for the next day, and so much more. What is this magical phase we're talking about? This is deep sleep. We can track this on something like the Aura Ring or BioStrap or any of these other awesome devices. But the problem is if you don't get enough deep sleep, you'll probably struggle a lot with cravings, even slow metabolism, premature aging, a lot of other health conditions. But the big question is, why don't most people get enough of this really important phase of sleep? And a really big reason behind this is actually magnesium deficiency. Unfortunately, over 80% of the population is deficient in magnesium. There's a lot of reasons why that is, but we really want more magnesium because it's going to increase GABA, and this supports relaxation on a cellular level, and that is obviously really critical for sleep. But we also know that magnesium plays a key role in regulating your body's stress response system. So when people are deficient in magnesium, they might notice they have higher levels of anxiety and stress, which are going to obviously negatively impact sleep. So before you run out and buy a magnesium supplement off of the store shelf, you have to understand that most magnesium products on the market, they're either synthetic or they only have one or two forms of magnesium. When the reality is our body needs all seven forms of magnesium. That's really, really important. And that's why we really recommend the product from Bioptimizers. They created this magnesium product called Magnesium Breakthrough. It has seven types of magnesium in it. It's really great if you take it before bed because it'll help relax you, get a really good deep, deep night of sleep, <laughs> and you'll wake up feeling refreshed and energized. So I think you'll start to notice the benefits of when you get this deep sleep, you'll notice it in all the different aspects of your health. And a bonus, we love the Bioptimizers always offers free shipping and this is wild. They offer a 365-day money-back guarantee on all their products. So if you try it and you hate it, you can send it back. So that's pretty impressive that they do that. We appreciate it. And then on top of that, you can also get 10% off the Magnesium Breakthrough. All you have to do is go to magbreakthrough.com slash biohackerbabes, and then you can use discount code biohackerbabes to get 10% off. We will throw that link and discount code in the show notes for today's episode so you can check it out there. All right. We hope you all have an amazing night of sleep. And for now, let's get back to the show. All righty. Let's talk about some biohacks we're doing. The list is too long. (laughs) (laughs) It's too long. (laughs) All right. I'll start. Um, After going to Paleo FX, I got a new rapid release, which I'm so excited about. I'm jealous. It's essentially a massage gun. And I've had one of these for a long time, but it was corded and the original version was super loud. It was like a jackhammer. So I've been using, you know, all the evolutions of like the Theragun, the Hypervolt, um, which are percussive devices. The rapid release is different. It's a vibration device. So it's a much higher frequency and it's more efficient at, at like, delivering the therapeutic doses that your body needs. So you're not just like hammering your, your muscles. So the vibration is a much more gentle approach and you can use it all over your body where something like the Theragun, the percussive device is going to just go into large muscle groups. This is cool. You can put it on your forehead, the back of your neck. You can put it on your face for like a jaw massage. It feels so calming and it actually works. 
I know I was talking to you. I was like, I've had this Theragun attached to me because I'm sore. And like to no avail, it doesn't make any difference. It's a little bit of like, what's the word? A little bit of a placebo effect. I'm like, oh, if I do it, like, I'm sure I don't know what I'm, what I would feel like without it. So I might as well keep doing it. But I really don't think those things work. Well, if you talk to the people at, at rapid release, they'll tell you it doesn't work. Yeah. Obviously it's a competitor, but. Yeah. It's just a totally different technology. And and essentially we're breaking down adhesions because when you have adhesions, which are like ropey fibers that pull on your tissues, they impair blood flow, they can pinch nerves, they impair lymphatic drainage. So this vibration releases all of that. Then it allows the body again to enact its natural healing abilities. Don't we want that? Yeah, that Anyways, makes a lot more I have sense. it right here. I'm so excited. It's a cordless version. It's so oh. much quieter. It has all these different nodules, knobs. So like lots of different applications. It's my new best friend. I broke awesome. up with my Theragun. Sorry. <gasps> Is this yeah. a sale announcement for your Theragun? Just kidding. No, I'm just like so happy. I'm just so happy that technology keeps improving. That's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I want to upgrade mine too because mine still the has a cord. Just kind of a pain, but it works. Yeah. Small problems. <laughs> yeah, first world problems. So I got a new mouth tape in the mail. I'm assuming you got this too. Dripped sleep. Yes, I said. Yeah. That okay. So my secret admirer is Renee. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where these things come from sometimes. So I got this beautiful box with a nice eye mask and a lip balm and this mouth tape that's in the shape of lips. I just thought that marketing was so cute. You know, I'm still kind of like, uh, I don't know about the mouth tape. One, because if you have sleep issues, if you're not, if you don't know how to nasal breathe, mouth tape is not going to fix that. And if you do know how to nasal breathe, like what are you really getting out of it? I'm unclear, but I think it's super cute. And I did it last night. I think my only qualm is that I drink water in the middle of the night. Like I get up, if I go to the bathroom, I'll drink some water. I like I have to take it off so I can drink. Yeah. Anyways, but of all the mouth tastes out there, I was like, oh, this one is super cute. It is cute, but I I think I still like the Vio Two one better. The one that oh, the like one the that you can wear like an H or an I. Yeah, because yeah. even in the middle of the night, if I do want to take a sip of water, that one's like really easy to peel off and put back on. Okay. I also can like almost talk a little bit. That's just a personal ah. choice. Yeah. But again, I don't notice anything with mouth tape. My respiratory rate will not come down with mouth Mm. tape. No change. No change. Yeah. Well, it's not addressing root cause. So we'll just leave that right there. If you are into the mouth tape (laughs) thing, drift is cute, though it's pretty sticky and (laughs) can't talk with it on. Anyways. I'm trying Newtopia, their 30-day journey. So this is a nootropic brand from our friends at Bioptimizers. And they essentially have a 30-day journey so you can try all of their different formulations. You start out with the isolated formulas and then you start to experiment with different stacks. So I'm trying to track which ones I feel good on, which ones I don't. There's some that I clearly like do not like. Nectar X gave me a piercing headache. Now, this is what you get for being a biohacker, Lauren. So yes. <laughs> try things. But it just goes to show like one thing could work amazingly for one person, not for another. I know people that love Nectar X. I think, does Ryan like Nectar X? Yeah, he loves it. And when I drink it, 
I don't feel anything. Yeah. So there's some formulas that I don't feel anything on. So I like this journey because I'm up for trying things. So it is hard for me to not drink my coffee, but yeah, you know, they have caffeine free formulas. I'm thinking about maybe ordering my next box caffeine free. Yeah. That way I can still stack it with my coffee. Yeah. And there are some in here that you can stack and they tell you, but there's certain days where it's like, be careful about the coffee. I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> yeah. I've overdone it. I've stacked some with coffee and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I'm going there was one I took yesterday when I did the Murph challenge. What did I take yesterday? I have my, my notes here. What did I take that I Zammer felt juice? No, I do love the Zammer juice. I knew I liked the Xamarin juice. Oh, yesterday I did one upbeat and one power solution. And I mm. think that would have been too much in a normal day, but because I was really physically active doing the Murph challenge, one mile, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, and then finishing with a mile. I was like, that stack was good, but I wouldn't do nice. that on any given day. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Yeah. So there's that. And at the end of the 30 day journey, I think I'll find my, my favorites and report back. So, yeah, I will say my personal favorites are upbeat brain flow and apex. Oh yeah. I liked brain flow a lot too. Apex. I didn't notice much. I'll have to try it on again. Mm. Yeah. So fascinating. Yeah. And they do personalize it somewhat. Like you'll do your quiz when you go to the website and they will choose like how many power solutions or how many apex based off of, do you want more mental clarity, more energy, more focus, better mood, things like that. So that's kind of Thank you for mentioning that. I was supposed to mention that. Uh I'm going to put the quiz down in the show notes. If anyone wants to try that, I think it's a great way to get started rather than, you know, a lot of these nootropics is like, buy it, try it. Good luck. They're doing the best they can to personalize. So it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Okay, we have some crossover here. We're both experimenting with Caliber. We had Sean Coakley on the podcast a couple ones ago, a couple shows ago. And so we've been experimenting with that mask that measures all these biometrics like respiratory rate, fat burning, ketones, oxygen uptake, VO2. It's a little uh, definitely higher spectrum nerdy data overload. <laughs> So we're playing so we can kind of report back, but some interesting findings so far. I've only done a few like really targeted workout sessions. I think Renee, you've only done it just sitting. Mm -hmm. So this will be cool to compare because we haven't really talked about this together. But so I did the timeline nutrition test, which is testing. (laughs) You're shaking your head. (laughs) Kill me now. (laughs) In the name of science. So we were testing our urolith and A levels. And the the test, you have to drink eight ounces of palm juice, pomegranate juice, which neither of us ever want to see again because one bottle is just (laughs) nauseating. I felt terrible. I know. 34 grams of sugar. I'm not kidding. My vision was blurry. I had horrible brain fog. My hands were shaking. And that was with blood sugar supplements. I took five capsules of blood sugar supplements. And still my blood sugar was... I didn't test it. Sure. It was off the charts, but in the name of science, terrible. we were part of a clinical study, which is pretty exciting. So happy to be done with that. Yes. Oh my gosh. Crazy sugar. 
anyway, so I did it. I also took some blood sugar supplementation and I timed it out so that I did it right before I went to the lake, which is what I do on Saturday mornings with my mom and dad. This is fascinating. I was burning 99% carbohydrates. Normally when I do that, it's a walk and a run. Like we run the hills, we walk in between, which kind of all average up averages out to a, a jog. I predominantly burn fat, but this day when I had drank the eight ounces of pomegranate juice, my body was like burning carbs. <laughs> Amazing. So that yeah. was kind of cool to see. I was like, Oh thank God, let's excrete this. Let's use up this energy. I don't want it to be stored. And by the end of the walk slash run, I had switched over to 75% fat burning, which is my norm for that type of activity. So that was kind of cool to see the progression. Like my body was dealing with the energy that I had taken in. Um, this was also interesting. I did some cycling, uh, stationary on the stationary bike at home. I did 25 minutes of intervals. My breath rate was 25 breaths per minute. So I was moving like in and out of zone two, zone three, like getting up into anaerobic threshold. I was burning 100% carbohydrates. Hmm. What I don't know, and this is like the experiments get confounded because there's so many variables. What I cannot report back to you is I don't remember if I ate before, I don't know what else was going on. And we know that's important. So to compare that to the, the lake walk run, I'm not sure if I had just had carbs and I was burning that off. I don't think I was. Anyways, more experimentation needs to be done. But I just thought that was interesting. I was burning so many carbs as opposed to fat. I just, I think it's such a cool device because your breath is one of the most accurate ways to measure all of that. So it's really exciting to see such a easy wearable device where you don't have to go to like a lab and spend an hour connected to a tank and all this crazy stuff. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm excited to keep experimenting with it. I mean, definitely when I was sitting, I was burning fat, but I haven't tried it working out yet. Yeah. I have had it on a few times, just sitting, doing nothing or like kind of walking around the house and I will burn predominantly fat. That's why I was so surprised that during cycling, not tapping into fat. Hmm. Anyways, we're unlocking data through the breath. So we'll keep reporting on that. I think there's more playing to be done. Yeah, for sure. And I think just being able to see how many calories you're burning per minute, that's a game changer because so many people are still tracking their calories and they're like estimating how much they're burning, right? You like, you'll go in on elliptical and it's like, you burned 300 calories. I'm like, what, what are you basing that on? Yeah. You know, there's only, they only have so much data on you to guess that, but if you can actually measure your breath and see how many calories, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's just an age driven algorithm. I think I I had a client yesterday that asked about calorie burning. It was like on the bike, it says I burn a thousand calories on my aura ring. It says 250 calories. I was like, wow, it's quite a discrepancy. I was like, that's huge. Are wrong, obviously. Yeah. A thousand calories. Wow. Well, he does he does endurance stuff, so it's at least an hour. Oh but for the aura ring to say 250. So um the finger calorimetry, not so accurate, but they are releasing the activity tracking this month in waves. So that'll be interesting to see how that changes. Mm -hmm. feels and looks more accurate. We'll see. Yeah. I'm excited to see that too. Okay. Another biohack. Lauren, I know you got this in the mail yesterday. Surprise. Another surprise. It was another surprise, but I was like, (laughs) NMN, yes. 
Um, so there's a company called Do Not Age. Um, it's actually a longevity company based in the UK. It's a pretty cool name, Do Not Age. So I had a really awesome conversation with them a couple of weeks ago, and we decided to team up to do some biohacking experiments. So what we are going to do is we are going to do a pre and post NAD at home test. So I'm assuming it's a finger prick because I just got like the small envelopes. So I'm assuming it's just, an oh, it is. I have it all laid out and I was looking at my <sighs> fingers. I'm like, am I ready? <laughs> I'm still bruised from all the finger pricks I did last week. So I've got to maybe tomorrow I'll do it. <laughs> so for anyone that doesn't know, so NAD, it's really big in the anti-aging and longevity space because we know that it can slow down the aging process. So anyway, so what we're going to do is we're going to do a pre-level test of NAD and then we have a stack of supplements. Um, one that's called Sulfora Boost. So this is sulforaphane, really famous from broccoli. That's why we know broccoli to be a really good, you know, powerful antioxidant. Also helps to prevent cancer, reduces inflammation. And then this is a cool product. They have Cert Six Activator. So this is based off of the longevity sirtuin. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of different sirtuins, but specifically sirtuin six is known for longevity because it can actually repair your DNA. It also protects your telomeres, which are really important in the aging process, reduces inflammation, it's neuroprotective. And then we also got some pure NMN. So I know there's a big debate on, do we take NAD? Do we take it liposomally? Do we take NMM as the precursor, right? There's a lot of debate there, but we're going to take the NMN from them and we're going to test to see if it actually boosts NAD. I think that's the best way to tell. If you're not testing, you don't really know. And mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of NAD products coming on the market, which is a little frightening. So, and then the last thing they threw in there, which is, I think really awesome is uh, pure TMG. So this is trimethylglycine. This is actually a methyl donor, which is really important when you are doing NAD or MNN, NMN. Say that really fast. MNMs. MNMs. When you're eating MNMs. So NAD, it can actually increase methylation in the body. So if you have any methylation issues, you want to be supporting the body with some kind of methyl donor and trimethylglycine is just a really good way to do that. So if you have taken NAD in the past and you felt worse, probably a methylation problem because you should feel an energy boost from NAD. Hmm. Cool. I'm so excited about this one. So Me too. Excited. I know Ryan was so excited too. He was like, can I take some? I'm like, sorry, you're not part of the experiment. <laughs> <laughs> have to get your own. In the name of science. Oh, but he's so willing. I know he's Hear me such too. A he's like, what else can I do? <laughs> oh man, I've got Ryan into like the finger pricking now. I, we've been doing a couple different tests lately, and he's he makes me do the finger prick. He's too scared to do it himself. Yeah, those lancets are aggressive. I'll do like a keto mojo finger prick glucose ketone test all day long, but those lancets. I don't know the anticipation. You're like, is it going to click? Is it going to click? Ow. <laughs> yeah. But if but you again, get it, it goes good, away in like two seconds. Yeah. If you get it good, you'll get one finger and be done. The other day I didn't do it good. And I ended up needing three fingers. It was rough. Gotta go all the way. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of finger pricks. So one more test. I don't, did you get your clockwise in the mail? Yes, I did. Yay. So clockwise is a fertility test that you can do at home. So this is for women. We actually are going to do a podcast, um, I think in the next month or two with the doctor that created this test. This is really exciting because I think, 
especially now that infertility is on the rise. I think it's like one in four couples now will suffer from infertility. This test is looking at three different things. The first one is looking at your biological age, and this is through an epigenetic analysis of your DNA. So we, you know, we have our chronological age, right? Your age on the calendar versus biological age, how fast you're aging, which we know is a super important thing to know as far as fertility, right? We've always heard over the age of 35, it gets harder. So we want to know how fast the body is aging. And then they have another test that's actually looking at how they say how fast the clock is ticking. So what's your biological age? And then how fast is it moving past your chronic or less than your chronological age or more than your chronological age? And then the last part is looking at toxins. So they look at three different classes of toxins that are known to impact egg quality, your fertility, and then potentially the health of your child. So a couple of things they're looking at are like parabens, phthalates, bisphenol. So all those toxic plastic junk things that are in our environment, which I think is a huge cause of infertility. I mean, we know it affects sperm quality and sperm motility as well, but this test is specifically looking at how that could be impacting your egg quality. So for women, I think this is a really exciting thing. I mean, whether you're trying to get pregnant now or you're preventing pregnancy and you just want to know in 10 years from now where I'm at, I think this is a really exciting new Mm -hmm. offer for women. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm trying to decide which one I'm going to do first, or if I should just go for all the fingers and get them done now. <laughs> if you get one really good, you can just fill out all the circles. Yeah. <laughs> we got a good drip. Yep. All right. So all right. Well, we have on that. <laughs> yeah. That's a big stay tuned. Lots of things to report back. So this next time we do an episode, just us, hopefully we'll have lots of information. Yeah. All right. That's it for the biohacking. We have a few upcoming events that we wanted to announce. We did just wrap up the women's biohacking conference, which was virtual. So if you missed out on that, you can still tap into the recordings. We'll drop a link below for that. Um, Coming up in August, we have the International Biohacking Conference, which is put on or produced by Tony Robbins. What's the deal, Renee? Yeah, he is one of the partners, I guess. It's Dr. Ross Carter and Tony Robbins kind of running the show but amazing biohackers all speaking. It's going to be a really great conference. And well, you and I are speaking, but also our dad is speaking all about biological dentistry. Yeah. This is a full roster. Oh, I see right now. Dad's above us and we're next to, yeah, very cool. So we'll drop a link for that below. Also our next live event. I can't believe so far away, but our next live event where we will be together is the biohacking conference in LA. This is Dave Asprey's event in September. If you want to join us there, come play. It is it really, it's like a playground. It is so much fun. It's actually kind of overwhelming, but it's going to be such a good time. All of our biohacking friends, um, lots of great speakers, lots of great toys, and just a good excuse to go to California. So you can check that out and definitely let us know if you are coming or if you know about any events that, uh, we are not going to, I know there's a bunch this summer, but I think that's the next one we're getting to in person. Let us know, send us an invite and we're always looking for ways to connect with you all. So this is the end of the episode. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in. Anything else, Renee? I think that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us today. 
All right. We love you all. So obviously lots to report back from all of our experiments. If you have any questions about anything we talked about today, or if you've experimented with any of these tests or biohacks and want to share your experience, please let us know. And any questions you want us to address in the next one, please drop them either on Instagram, biohacker underscore babes, or email us biohackerbabes at gmail.com. All right. That's all we have for you today. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.